0: originated from the time of Adam. And uh, as one of the verses in the Bible says, your sin has separated you from God. God took the initiative. God paid the price. God sent Jesus in order to take away the offense of sin. He imparted to us his righteousness. And that righteousness is the very righteousness of God in Christ, which gives us complete access, not only into the proximity and presence of God, but it allows us to participate in the nature of God, God himself. So you cannot get, you know, sort of a closer relationship than that. There are verses in the New Testament that talk about it in the Gospels, that he is one that sticks closer than a brother. And uh, no greater love has someone than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. And so Jesus laid his life down for us. Another verse in the Bible talks about the fact that he is closer to us than the very breath in our mouth. You can't get closer to us than that. And of course, as Christians now, when we accept Jesus, he comes to dwell on the inside of us. So God is so close to you, he's inside of you. But, you know, there are many Christians, and even though they know that as a theological truth, Christ is in me and he is the hope of glory, they still discover that really, in essence, God, so I'm going to just refer to God, but we can refer to Jesus, that God is a stranger to them. They're born again. They've put their faith in what Jesus did for them on the cross. They know their sins are forgiven. If they were to die, they would be in the presence of God. But how much do they know about him? And, of course, the scripture, the key scripture that we've been looking at is, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. And that's Daniel 11, 32. But the key words there, we like the strength, we like the power, we like all of those things. But the key words there are the people that know their God. Everyone say, know God, know God. So know their God. I just want to talk about the fact of knowing God. It's important that we know God. It's amazing. You meet some Christians. They can talk about their jobs. You know, they have intricate detail of their work. And you need to in order, you know, to be efficient at work and get paid. But, you know, you work for eight hours. There's still another 16 hours in the day. What do we do with that 16 hours? Eight hours we got to sleep, but there's still another eight hours. What do we do in the eight hours? You talk to a lot of Christians, they know more about what right diet that we should be on. They know more about their hobbies. They know more about, you know, which exercise gives you a six pack. And they know more about every, 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 they know more about every subject, and yet you find out. As Christians, as believers, they know very little concerning God. They've got a very low relationship with Him. So, and it's not a bash you meeting this morning, but we need to get to know Him. Amen? Because the people that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. I remember once I was doing some work for Louis part-time. I wanted to be an example to the church because, you know, too many people come to church like this to get, to receive, to take. There's too many people that come with an apron on, you know, a bib and a knife and fork. There's few people that come with an apron to serve. Okay, now it's got very quiet. Oh, my word. Oh, my word, it's got quiet. Pastor John, change the subject. Okay. (laughs) But not in this church, you know? Not in this church. So don't feel bad. Turn to the person next to you, and say, It's not you. It's not you. He's not talking to you. But say, but if it is you, you better change. <laughs> All right. There's a lot of people that come like us, we're supposed to come to give. We're supposed to come to give to serve. Isn't that right? And you know that there's very few who know God. It's last week I mentioned something, and somebody, precious couple of friends of mine were watching online, and they, just that statement, that statement. He's without work, and I went down to go and visit them, and uh, just to pray with them, and I was just assuring him, you're going to get work. I'm telling you now. If it's not this one, it's the next one. You know, God is preparing you, and God can see which one is for you. So the biggest thing is to relax and not stress. Isn't that right? And to be at peace. And so I just mentioned in the message, I said, go to the throne before you go to the phone. And it was a statement that just struck home. And they said, oh, my word, we keep going to the phone and not to the throne. They said, we're going to do three days fasting and prayer. So they fasted from that day. So they start fasting and praying. And then within a couple of days of that Sunday, she messages me and said, this particular company phoned him, and there's been absolute silence. And They phoned him and said, you're on the short list of interviews for this job. is not that good. Why? Because they went to the throne. throne. In other words, a relationship with God. We need to develop a relationship with God. We need to know Him and to get to know Him better. Is that right? And God has made everything possible for us to know Him. In fact, He's made it easy. What's difficult is that we have to put in a little bit of effort. Now, how many of you know, and uh, husbands, please don't raise your hands because it might show up something over here, but maybe wives, you can. How many of you know, in order to have a good relationship, you've got to put in some effort? Wives, wave your hands. Husbands, don't raise your hands. Don't don't raise your hands. Because otherwise, you're going to get an elbow in the ribs. I know how it goes. All right. And so it takes a bit of effort, isn't that right? For example, for example, guys, this is a heads up. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. (laughs) Tomorrow is Valentine's Day, is that all right? So a little bit of work, a little bit of effort. Do something nice to communicate to your darling that I love you. Okay, don't come with all this nonsense, it's an over-commercialized day and it's not Christian. Phooey. Come on, Christians have picked up that day and we've given it archetypal meaning. Is that okay? Come on, we've sanctified those days. So what if these pagan roots, so what? So what if these pagan roots to Christmas, we've sanctified it and we give it its ultimate meaning. Is that okay? None of those... People are going to ever stop me putting up a Christmas tree with decorations on. It, everything about it tells me about Jesus. I don't feel any demons when I put up a Christmas tree. Neither Valentine's Day. All right. So God has made knowing him easy, but it takes effort. So John 17 verse 3, we've been saying this often. Now this is eternal life. We think eternal life Is coming forward in church one Sunday, standing there repeating a prayer after someone, and and yes, they work and it helps. But listen to what Jesus says. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, knowing God is eternal life. I wonder if... Maybe the reason why we struggle with a lot of things in our Christian walk, how we struggle to receive a lot, maybe, just maybe it's connected to the fact that I don't really know Him. Because they might know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom they sent. So we get to know God by knowing Jesus. Now listen to 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9. It's a verse I've not read in this series. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You know, it's amazing. I don't know if you've been around for a while, and and maybe you remember when you first got born again, and you were just so absolutely in love with God. You know, a brand new born-again Christian, is. there's a sense in which they should actually be locked up for a while. I mean, because they're wild, eh? I mean, if it looks like it's got breath in it, if it even moves... It gets witnessed to, you know. They want to lay hands on it, and they want to prophesy, and they want to whatever. Remember what it was like when you first got born again? Powerful. And God did incredible things. God responded to the excitement. God responded to this new, it's kind of like this new romantic love, this new excitement with Him, and God was responding. But isn't it amazing how, just like in marriages, Our relationship with the Lord can just settle into a mundane routine, and eventually, you find in marriages, a married couple that have been together for so many years, you know, they look at each other after 60 years, and they're going like, who are you? I don't even really know you, because for the past 40 years, you've hardly talked. Moving on, moving on, moving on, you know, we need to keep getting to know one another, Is that right. And so our relationship with the Lord needs to keep developing. Now, key to it, the third point, the key to it is we need to have a correct theology concerning God. I'm so glad I don't live in the medieval times where God was portrayed as a fierce judge. And, you know, the moment you step out of line, He's going to strike you dead with bolts of lightning. That is what Martin Luther feared about God. One day, he just about collapsed. He was out in a field, and there was a thunderstorm and a lightning bolt, and he thought it was the judgment of God coming to kill him. Serious. Serious. And so it skews our whole concept. It skews our whole understanding of God. But praise God for the message of grace. When grace came, we started to realize that actually God is good. Isn't that right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34 verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. God is a good God. God is kind. God is gracious. God is our heavenly Father. Is that okay? And we need to know that. I remember a young man, and I've shared this story with you before, but there's many new people over here. But for me, it was such a profound, profound story because it demonstrated the incredible love that God has for people, for his children. And, um, you know, I was traveling a lot, ministering overseas, and in this particular church in Wales, the one morning I woke up, the Lord said, take what money you have and go to the church. And when you get there, you're going to meet a businessman. And as soon as you meet him, you're to take the money out your pocket. And you've got to sow it to him and tell him that God is going to double his business in the next year. So I said to the Lord, I said, uh, how will I know he's the businessman? How will I know who it is? What if there's 20 businessmen in the church? How am I going to know? And, uh, you know, God is so clever. He arranges everything. And he's very economical with his words. So, of course, he doesn't say anything. (laughs) So I'm thinking, okay, you know, he doesn't explain and say he's going to be wearing this color, nothing. So I put money in my pocket, and I want you to understand it's pounds, you know. So all the while I'm going there, it's squeaking and squealing in my pocket, like, does it have to be so much and all of that kind of thing, do, you, do I really have to give this amount of money? But anyway, I'm walking towards the church, and from a distance, this man sees me walking. I park the car and walking towards the entrance of the church. So he leaves the entrance of the church, and he starts walking up to me. And he comes up, and he greets me, says, hi, tells me his name, we exchange names. And then as we're walking, he starts telling me, no, no, I'm a businessman. I mean, isn't that incredible? Before we even got to the door of the church, I'd sold the money. I'd prophesied and spoken to him. The next year when I arrived there, guess what? The same brother's waiting for me. And he's waiting for me with his financial statements and the plans for a new warehouse. The business had exactly doubled in one year. Come on, everybody say Amen. Amen. So he then says, Right, I want to bless you with some money, but then he calls Bev, and he says, I'm not giving it to this man, because before the service is finished, he will have sown this money. (laughs) He says, I'm giving it to you. Now, you keep it, and he must buy something he wants. Now, okay, when I explain what I wanted, especially the younger generation, you're going to go like, phew, I mean, why would you want that? Well, it's replaced. You can't even get those things anymore, but, you know, whatever... Just put it in modern terms. In those days, you used to get these CD players. Walkman. You got a Walkman. And I wanted a Walkman. You can hook it on your belt. You can plug your CD player in. I mean, it was, you know, it's archaic. I know know it doesn't even exist anymore. Earphones. It's in a box like this. And nice extra pack, more CDs in. And I'm like, you know, and it was a Sony and all of this kind of thing. So I find this electronic shop, and there it is, on special for exactly the money that this guy had given me. So I buy this. Man, I'm so excited. The flight home, I'm wearing my Walkman, <laughs> you know. And I've got praise and worship going, and I've got my earphones on. I mean, I'm ahead of the pack a little bit, you know. <laughs> Pastor John's up front, techno fundi. So all the way home, I'm listening to my Walkman, change the CD, change the CD. Please play like this. And uh, so I arrive back on the Friday, Saturday. I'm just telling Bev about it. You can also, there's a device. You can plug in the cigarette lighter and it'll play through your speakers and, and all of that. I'm, I'm just, I'm excited, you know. I'm really excited. But that night, I can't sleep. That Saturday night, I can't sleep. I cannot sleep. I'm tossing, I'm turning, I'm tossing, I'm turning. Eventually, she says, what's the matter with you, man? Stop fidgeting. You're keeping me awake. I said, no, God's told me I must give that Walkman away to Craig in the church. I mean, I've had it one day, one, and I'm struggling with this. And I'm telling the Lord, that businessman gave me the money specifically. Do you remember? And he said, it must be for something for myself. So now I'm telling Bev because I'm thinking she's going to say, Ah, doll, you know, don't worry, don't give it. You know, you've wanted it. So she just goes, Ah, man, what's the problem? Give it to him. Go back to sleep. (laughs) It's like, like, Ah, man, It's not what I wanted to hear. They were not available in South Africa at that stage. So I get up and I pray and I say, Lord, you know, why must I give him this? I'm talking to the Lord, you know, because I'm struggling you know, saying, why must I give this to him? And immediately the Lord says, when you give it to him, tell him I'm the best father he'll ever have. So I'm thinking, wow, okay. So service is about to be in. It's all packed. It's ready. It's hidden. He arrives for church. and So I said, I just want to meet with you in the mother's room quickly. So he goes in there, and I said, "Um, our father... Tell me to give you this. And I show him, and his eyes go this big. And I said, and he said, to tell you, he's the best father you will ever have. He bursts into tears, falls on the ground, sobbing. I had to leave him there sobbing and come into the church. He's still crying. Halfway through the service, he comes in. And that morning, God touches him in a profound way and heals him. Afterwards, he tells me the story. I don't know who my biological father is. He abandoned me and my mother when I was born. He said, I looked for him and looked for him, and eventually I found him. And I pleaded with my mother, and she kept telling, just don't do it. But I wanted a relationship with him. I found him. I went to go and see him. And I found that he's remarried. He's got two other sons, And they are spoiled rotten. He's never given one cent to my mom. He's never inquired about me. He's never given maintenance, never shown interest. I do not know him. I'm a stranger to him. And he showed me, introduced me to my stepbrothers. He said they got their own personal PCs. They got their own sound systems in their rooms. They got whatever. And uh, he came home absolutely heartbroken that this man who'd rejected him was doing everything for his other two sons, but him also being a biological son had nothing to do with him. So that day when he got home, and it happened in the week prior to this week that I'm talking about, and his mother said, well, Craig, what were you expecting? What did you want? He's rejected us and you your whole life. What were you expecting? And he said, you know what? Even if he could have just given me a Walkman sometime in my life, I would have been happy. Come on, that's, that's an amazing story. And God touched him that morning, and there was a profound healing that took place in his heart. So God wants to be known, wants to have a relationship with you. I mean, He already knows everything about you. He knows what hurts you. He knows you wants. He knows your needs. He knows your desires. You know, the incredible thing about the correct theology that we've got to have is that He's our our heavenly Father. Come on, church. He's our Father. He's our Dad. And that's why we pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God is not against you. One of the greatest revelations that came to me in grace was that if God be for us, Who can be against us? Come on, someone say something. So God is for me. He's not against me. He's not against me. Even if I've blown it, I've made mistakes, I've sinned, I've lacked wisdom, I've really been stupid, I've done you know, crazy stupid things, but God is still not against me. He's for me. He's so for me. He sent Jesus. Is that okay? And I love what my pastor used to say. If you want to know how much the Father loves you and if it could be arranged, for example, and the Father pitches up and he has Jesus appear as well and Jesus stand here and he was saying, all right, I want to show you how much I love you. And he would bring you up and get you to stand next to Jesus and he would look at both of you and he would say, I love you exactly the same. Isn't that awesome? You know, once we got our theology correct, once we have our understanding correct, it makes it easier. So we've been moved from sinners to saints, servants to friends, from no people to sons. So we are sons in identity, we're bride in intimacy, we're servants only as far as our service is concerned, but as far as righteousness is we are saints. And then furthermore, according to relationship, we are friends with God. It's an amazing thing that God has done all of that for us. God wants to talk to you. God wants to share His counsel with you. God wants to speak to you. God wants to tell you things. God wants a relationship with you more than what you want with Him. So, I love this. James chapter 2, verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imparted or imputed unto him for righteousness. Listen to what James says. And he was called... The what? The friend of God. I mean, isn't it awesome that we can be known as the friend of God? It's awesome, isn't it? I want to be known as a friend of God. Pastor John is God's friend. The basis for all relationship is a little word called trust. Trust is the basis for all relationship. I like what this person said. Trust is at the heart of intimacy, and the more we trust someone the closer we let them get to us. The degree to which trust is compromised in a relationship is the degree to which intimacy evaporates. Isn't it incredible that you can be sitting right next to a person who you don't trust and your heart was close to them, but thousands of kilometers away, and they're not next to you, you can feel closer to that person than the person sitting next to you. Because you have a relationship with Him. And although sometimes, you know, God may feel distanced, we develop a relationship of trust with Him that He always feels close towards us. Amen? One of the things that I've discovered over years, the more a person has been wounded and hurt in life, the greater the struggle to develop an intimate relationship with God because intimacy in a relationship becomes threatening. I noticed that in revival... And in revival meetings and in meetings where the Spirit of God was moving powerfully, women who had been abused would find it very difficult to open to the Holy Spirit and very often did not encounter the touch of God, you know, with manifestations in ways that others did because it would be surrendering control to the Holy Spirit and it's a thing that they fear. And very often and many times in revivals, it exposed that and I would find that I would have to spend a lot of time ministering to ladies like this until they realized that the Holy Spirit was not going to hurt them, not going to take advantage, was not going to abuse them. And very often, once they had that revelation of the goodness of God, the power of God was able to connect with them. They are men that have been abused. And uh, men that are brought up very strict by their their fathers, that maybe were rejected, maybe spoken down to, maybe not acknowledged, and maybe not treated as well as another brother or, or another sibling. And so a father figure to them is not a fuzzy feeling sort of notion. And so correct theology is important because we need our hearts healed. Are you with me, church? But I want you to understand that's the process that you're in now. That's what God is doing. God is healing you to a place more and more and more where you can have a relationship with Him. Okay. So there was a lady that, I, that we knew in this church, and she really struggled with the notion of a father because her father abandoned her mom and her sister's And they spend more time out on the streets because the father was always drunk and then coming home and beating them up and kicking them out of the house. And so they spend much of the years of their lives growing up out on the streets and fighting for survival. Then they get saved. You talk about a loving heavenly father. I mean, God has to heal that. You understand what I'm saying? To where they get to the place that all the complications in their lives, you know, because it affects the way you relate to others. And so God has got us in a process of healing, and that's why, you know, the Word is so important. You know, somebody said this, a couple can sit in a restaurant, there can be a candlelight, romantic music, and, you know, it can kind of be just the right atmosphere, and they're sitting there, But all of the periphery, all of those things, doesn't make them feel closer together and closer to each other unless there really is a basis for a relationship and then there's trust. Amen? So you can do all of those things, but it doesn't do anything. So listen, church, you can come to a church, you can have the greatest worship, you can have the presence of God like this morning, you can have the greatest teaching. It doesn't matter. All of those is romantic settings, but if you haven't connected with Him, and God hasn't touched your heart, if there isn't the measure of healing, you probably won't feel that close to God. But what God is doing all the time is He's trying to draw us in. God is endeavoring to heal the hurts of our hearts so that we get to a place where we understand He's a good, kind, wonderful, loving Heavenly Father, and He wants a relationship with us. Amen? And so you find that there's very few Christians in the world today that can be likened to Enoch. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not for God, took him. So I'm going to jump along now, and I wanted just to go very quickly to five practical steps. Are you ready? Five practical steps. Practical, fiercely practical, really practical things you can do to grow your relationship with God. Number one, you need to prioritize God. You've got to give Him time. You have to spend time with Him. Everybody say, prioritize. We need to develop a heart of intimacy with God. Abraham was a friend of God. Listen to what David said in Psalm 73, verse 28. He says, for me, it is good to be near God to God. James 4.8 says, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. So we need to prioritize God with priority, with priority. So you've got to make time. You've got to diarize. Is that okay? I'm just going to tell you, the first time a prophet ever came to this church, I mean, I was really excited, Prophet Ed Trout. And I just thought, I'm such an awesome man of God that He's going to call me up, and I'm going to get this glowing amazing wonderful prophecy and everybody in church is going to be really jealous because of my prophecy I it's going to be absolutely incredible so anyway he's pointing people out pointing people out and he's prophesying yeah but the good prophecies accurate I know the people it's like accurate accurate I'm thinking whoa then so yeah it's just brilliant it tried brilliant this is prophesying prophesying so then he goes right man of God it's your turn now. I'll let you for last, sitting there. So I'm thinking, woo, it's going gonna, it's gonna to shine, you know? Glory is going to fall. And uh, so I come and stand forward, and uh, Bev's holding my hand. So then he says, I think it was nonverbal communication, you know, her holding my hand. And it was just like that touch communication. So he says, man of God, God says, from now on, you better take your day off. Bev's squeezing my hand. Standing next to me, look at me. Squeezing my head. Squeezing my head. says, yeah, I need to just sort him out a little bit because he works too hard. He's just working all the time. But squeezing my head with that like, yeah, I told you so, look on your face. <laughs> yeah, how many times have I said it and you don't think I can hear God, you know? And he's standing, that's my word. Exactly. She so says, all right, I'm finished with you, sit down. Now, I thought he was going to preach, you know, Revival. And, you know, know, he's got better. He has (laughs) prophesied those things since. But the thing is, we need to give God priority. And One of the things that I was not doing was giving Bev priority and myself priority. We need to prioritize. And one of the things that Ed Trout said to me afterwards, he said, John, if you do not prioritize and put it in your diary, everyone... And everything else will crowd out that time. So you have to commit a time to it. Come on, church. This is practical. Okay, say amen, then I can move on. Amen. Amen. Second thing. Know God by studying His Word. Now, that's like obvious. That's like, yeah, we know that. But you need to gain an understanding of God from the text of the Bible. But here is something that I want to encourage you to do. Try and read it in a place of solitude. Number one. Secondly personalize scripture to yourself. Let's take it for example. If you're reading the story of Peter walking on the water, get into the story and develop a relationship with the Lord. Put yourself in the story. And maybe what you could even do is you can try and apply it to your own life. And in the process, and I'm going to come to now, you can then even ask God questions. Lord, is there any area on my life that you want me to step out and to walk in the water. What do you want me to do? What situation is it? And begin to personalize scripture. Put yourself in the crowd where he was feeding the 5,000. Sit and observe and watch You know the whole scene. Allow the scripture to come alive. Allow God to breathe into that story. And maybe to make it applicable to you by a word or speak something to you. But get to know God by getting into the stories of the scriptures see yourself in biblical stories and apply to your life what he says whenever i teach on the subject of hearing the voice of god i always tell people imagine jesus sitting at the well in samaria imagine you know that you're sitting on the well and instead of the woman coming to Jesus, it's Jesus coming to you. Put yourself in that story. Close your eyes. Imagine you're sitting on the well, and this is how I begin to teach people to hear the voice of God. And see Jesus coming to you. And then when he comes to you, then ask him, is there anything you want to say to me? So put yourself in the story. The first time I ever taught that was in Armenia, 16th floor, the ramshackle, you know, multi-story building flats and things like this. And the first person that gave a testimony was a lady who had in that week been diagnosed with a massive brain tumor on her brain had been giving her seizures and things she hadn't even told the pastor she did what i said and a year later when i was back there was the first time the pastor heard the testimony she sat on the wall in her imagination she got into the bible story She saw Jesus walk up to her, and she said, Jesus, is there anything you want to say to me? She said in the testimony, Jesus said nothing but walked over, put his hand on the side of her head where the tumor was, and she felt the presence of God sitting on the 16th floor in poverty. They were in poverty, the churches and the people there. And a couple of weeks later, she went back for a checkup. They did x-rays, and they were comparing x-rays, and the physician said, that tumor is gone. Amen? Amen. So start to develop a relationship with Him. Know by studying the Word. Talk with Him. So let's call it prayer. But there's all kinds of prayers, all formats of prayer. Communicate your heart to Him. Share your thankfulness. Think about His provision and begin to thank Him. Share your requests. Try doing it conversation. Imagine He's sitting next to you in the car. Have a conversation. Develop a relationship with Him. Years ago, I started doing this. And one morning, I was just, I want you to know, I was just, I'm joking. Is that okay? So, end of the passageway is a mirror. It was the days when I used to wear a tie, but then I got saved. <laughs> I used to wear a tie to church, you know, so and a jacket and, and for a long period of time, a suit. And I was putting the tie on, and I was looking in the mirror, and I said, You know, Lord, thank you for creating me so handsome. Yeah, amen. Amen. So I was putting it on, I said, I stood there like this. Now remember, I was in the process of healing out of very low self-esteem. And so what I was also practicing doing was looking at myself in the mirror, telling myself I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and God loves this person standing there looking back at me. And it was part of my confession and brought me tremendous healing. So that's what I was doing. And I'm putting my tie on like this, and I've just said, you know, you God, you created me handsome, right? Eh? And uh, so there was an affirmation for myself. And then all of a sudden, I just, this voice, this, it's God. And he says, tell Nikki, the guy that invited her for coffee this week, do not under any circumstances have coffee with him. So I come to church. Nikki had just joined the church. She was sitting over there and I came into church, and I said, I need to speak to you after the service. She came. We sat on the front row, and I said, did a young man invite you for coffee this week? She said, yes. It's a new guy that just joined the company. I said, God said, under no circumstances have coffee with him. Four weeks later, she comes back to church. And goes, oh, Pastor John, you'll never go. You'll never fine. Turns out he's an absolute sexual predator, and had invited other girls out and raped them from the same place. If we can get in a conversation with Him, we can learn to talk with Him. I mean, He will speak to us. Is that okay? He'll speak to us. And we need to have a relationship with Him. A lot of people want God's voice without the relationship. People want the gifts of the Spirit without the relationship. Listen, all those things come easier with the relationship. Is that okay? So I did it for a long time, practicing the presence of God, just talking to the Lord. And you all know the story, but for me, it was such a clear story. One time when I was at Spirit Red and I'm standing by the counter and this lady walks up next to the counter, I was asking where Prophet Corbis was. She came to buy something. We turned around and walked out at the same time and we're walking next to each other for about 20, 25 meters. And suddenly the Holy Spirit says to me, have you asked yourself why you're walking next to her? So I said, no, I haven't asked myself, should I be asking myself why I'm walking next to her? Now we're walking. And the Lord says, why are you walking next to her? I said, Lord, I don't know why I'm walking next to her. Why am I walking next to her? So she, he said, tell her the child will be well. And I'm thinking, I don't even know this lady. So she then walks to the car park. I walk into the hall where Prophet Kirbis was. I sat down. Somebody, Usher comes running into Prophet Quivers and says, there's a lady here with a baby that was born with brain damage and wants you to lay hands. And I'm going like, oh, my word, is it this color car? The Usher says, yes. I said, God just spoke to me. So Annalise immediately stands up and said, and I didn't speak to her. I'll go and speak to her quickly. Annalise stands up and says, hey, everybody, we have a disobedient prophet here. (laughs) Sorry, I ran. I ran out and I said to the lady, when I was walking next to you, God spoke to me and said the child will be well. She kept in touch with me for months, and God just restored that little baby's brain. Amen. Talk with God. Talk to Him. Talk to Him. It was a very significant period in my life. Very significant. I was raised under an extremely, extremely strict pastor. Extremely pedantic. Extremely strict. Extremely Unreasonable extremely. And I mean, a lot of times I was thinking, what he's doing is wrong, man. You know, he shouldn't be doing this. Why are they doing this? And one morning I was in the mirror, I was looking in the mirror, shaving, just, you know, and I was just talking to the Lord about some of these situations. And just suddenly the Lord spoke to me. He said, John, you know what? He said, you can do the right thing with the wrong motive. I'll call it wrong. But you can do the wrong thing with the right motive. I'll call it right. And that just had such an impact on me and enabled me to endure the rest of the year with that pastor. God wants a relationship with you. There might not be a verse, but he has an opinion. So talk to him. Talk to him. Practice the awareness of his presence. Practice. Become conscious every day. When you get up, he's with me. He's in me. He's here. Practice feeling him. Sunday at church in worship is, should not be the only time we feel His presence. Am I making sense, church? I mean, we need to just enjoy the presence of God. Lord, practice the presence. There's a brilliant brother, Brother Lawrence, wrote a book called Practicing, Practicing the Presence of God. So listen to what he teaches. In essence, he teaches we need to move away from the place where we are just fostering an awareness of His presence to where we are experiencing an abiding presence that then also has an impact on others. And Brother Lawrence, while he was washing, because as a priest, you know, and things like this, they would have turns, and while he was washing the dishes, he would be practicing the presence of God. But it wasn't long when the presence of God would be so abiding, that it would attract people, people would be touched, lives transformed, they would be healed because when they got near to him, they had contact with God. Is that okay? And I remember one time, you know, we go through seasons like this, and, and I think sometimes we need reminders like today. But I was doing that, and I was you know, actively pursuing it. I remember I was in a fishing shop And I went with Warren Brown. We went to go and look for some certain flies because we were going to catch yellowfish on fly in the Val River. And I just walked into the shop, and uh, the guy came up to Warren. He knew Warren was chatting to Warren. And I was just looking through the flies, and eventually the guy came up, and he started chatting to me. Warren never said anything about, oh, this is my past, and nothing like this. Introduced me as John, and I said, hi, nice to meet you. And um, we chatted a little bit. We weren't there long, bought some flies, and we left. That night I got a phone call was this guy that owns the fishing shop. And he said, I had to phone Warren, forgive me, to get your number. He said, in the fishing shop, when you were looking at the flies, I walked up and came and stood next to you. And I just had to phone you because I have never encountered such peace ever in my life as when I was standing next to you. I have never. I want that kind of peace. And it was only afterwards when I phoned Warren that he said you were his pastor. He said, Pastor John, how can I experience that peace? We need to move to a place where we're not just only now aware of his presence, but where that presence abides and where it touches other people. Are you following me, church? So we need to practice the presence of God. Practice the presence of God. Until it becomes an abiding presence. That when people come and stand in our presence, they sense the love of God, the joy of God. One of the great things about the revival that happened was God was just showing us what his abiding presence on us was like. There's a a Falfella restaurant in Cairo, not far from the Egyptian museum. And um, I was ministering there. They took us into the restaurant and uh, we had some friends of ours with us from England. It was really at that time of the move of God and, and uh, the power of God was on us. And it was so incredible because we were sitting in the restaurant at a table and the the Muslim waiter approached the table to come and take our orders. It's a well-known falafel restaurant. Many film stars, whatever you see, their pictures on the walls there, they've all been to that restaurant. And the Muslim Waiter would approach the table, but every time he got up to us, he would burst out laughing. Uncontrollably laughing. And then he had to walk away. And when he got at a safe distance, he wouldn't laugh. So of course now we start laughing when we see this because we know what's happening. So he comes up again now, very serious, because now he's gonna take the order. As he gets close to us, packs out laughing. and then he's going to back off all the other waiters you know, and the guys that own the restaurant the, the, you know, they're looking at him he stands at a safe distance like a pen and paper ready to take our order so we're laughing and we're giggling we're having a great time we say hey brother how's it so he comes up again the third time he's laughing uncontrollably he's almost on the floor he stands up and he comes stands. Up. he says no I don't know I don't know but when I get there there's a power that's making me laugh I'm taking your orders from here and he took our orders. I kid you not. When we carry the abiding presence of God, if we practice his presence, when people come in contact with us, they'll be touched and healed by the presence of God. Okay, I'm rushing. So practice an awareness of his presence. Second last, spend time with others who walk with him. Proverbs 27:17, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Have you ever been with somebody who's so in love with Jesus? so infectious when you get away from them you just find that you want to spend more time with the lord and we need to be that kind of church that when people come in here they want to know the god that we know they want a relationship with the lord that we have they want to know the jesus that we worship where tears stream down our face because of the savior that he is to us and then lastly be patient and be persistent in other words don't try it once and then go like ah oh, this friendship with god thing doesn't work persist with the relationship amen you look at couples they've been married many years i want you to know they're still working on their relationship and one of the things that we need to do is persist in our relationship with the lord keep encouraging, keep fostering, keep engendering His presence, keep practicing the presence of God. Just get to a place where you sense the goosebumps. You go, God is with me. Wow, God is with me in the car. Lord, you hear? Do practical things to acknowledge His presence. There's a brother that was mightily used in revival, and what he did was he said, I want to practice the presence of God to where it fills the whole church. And he tried and tried, but he found he didn't. So what he did was he'd say, all right, I'm going to try and practice the presence of God until it fills my whole lounge. So he'd go like that, and then he'd ask his wife, can you feel the presence of God? No. And he was like, oh, ah, no. <laughs> so what he did was he pitched a little tent, a little two-man tent in his lounge. And then he went into the two-man tent, and he practiced the presence of God until he felt the presence of God fill the tent. Because now he's practicing abiding presence. Right? But he persisted. This went on for days, weeks, months. And then what happened was like, awesome, now I'm ready for the lounge. So then he'd go into the lounge, and he's, while he's doing things, now he's just practicing conscious of God, practicing the presence of God. Till one day his wife walked in and went like, oh my word, I can feel the presence of God. So he was like, awesome. Now I'm going to fill the church with, with God's presence. And more and more he began to practice that when he walked in, that everybody in the church was aware of the presence of God. And it comes out of relationship, church. We need to know God. Just close your eyes. Bow your head. I want you to talk to the Lord just for a minute. I want you to talk to the Lord about your relationship with Him. Tell Him. Say, Lord, I want to hear your voice better. I want to know you I want a deeper relationship with you. You've done everything. But now I want you to speak to me. Just talk to the Lord. And what I want you to do, we're going to just use the same story, same biblical picture. I want you to see yourself on that little wall. Paint the scene whichever way you want. It's the well. There's a wall around it. See the bricks, the stones, I mean. See the little windlass. See an open plain, maybe a little bit in a valley or whatever. You paint the picture. You, with your imagination, you paint the picture. Now you go up and you sit on the wall of that well. And when you're sitting there, because he wants a deeper relationship with you, then what you want with him. I want you to see Jesus walking towards you. See him how you want to see him. Paint the picture, the canvas of your imagination. Long white gown, sandal shoes, longish hair, maybe the breeze blowing through his hair, the love in his eyes. And he's walking towards you and then he comes up to a standstill, a meter or two from you. While you got that picture, while you've painted that scenario, that scene, In your heart, I want you just to talk to him and say, Lord, what do you want me to do to strengthen my relationship with you? What do you want me to do? And then let him speak. imagination it'll be in your mind when let me speak to you about your relationship what do you want me to do what must I do what steps should I take what is stopping me from having a closer relationship with you just a minute I'm going to give you just a minute Something, found something, felt the Lord say something to you. I want you to acknowledge it. I want you to respond to Him and say, Lord, I'll be obedient. Lord, I'll do that. Thank you for sharing that with me. That's what I'll do. I want you to respond. I want you to respond. And then later when you get home, I want you to write that conversation down so that it can become a reference point for you. Write that conversation down. Very quickly, how many of you felt something seen Something did the Lord say, just show of hands. I just want to see. How many of you felt the Lord just spoke something to you? Bro, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I want to encourage you that now just act on that because I'm telling you, God is taking us deeper, and where the place that He's taking us to, I see more and more prophets prophesying it. But what where he's taking us, where and it's not a negative thing, it's all positive, it's awesome. God needs people who know Him and know His voice. Amen? Because there's going to be powerful, powerful times ahead of us. Is that okay? Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just want to thank you for your people this morning. Lord, I just speak your blessing. Can you just raise your hands to the Lord? Father, I just want to thank you. I bless every single person here in ACF. Lord, I just speak a greater relationship with Lord, a greater clarity of your Word a greater awareness of your presence. Father, we want to move from aware of your presence to an abiding sense of a presence upon us. Lord, Where people are impacted and touched because of the glory of God that is in us and upon us. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. So I bless them right now, every single one. Those watching via live stream, may you experience the presence of God like never ever before. May your relationship with Him deepen Uh, more and more. May you be known as a friend of God. Bless you all.